Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sound Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. The podcast where we talk about what you think, but don't say it. You often believe, but won't discuss it. And you feel, but are too scared to share it. As always, I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli, and I am delighted that you could join me once again. Today, I am going to be looking at what happens when we live lives that are driven by need instead of led by love. So please sit back and I hope you enjoy today's show. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sound Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. I am delighted that you could join me here once again, where I get to share my heart uh, in an uncensored, real and raw way with you and, of course, the world. Uh, I had the privilege yesterday of, of voting for the first time here in Israel. Uh, it was a, a bit of a transcendent moment as I, I stood there behind this, uh, <laughs> this uh, secretive covered booth uh, with these papers, uh, these little papers with the name of the candidates in Hebrew. You know, no high tech over here in Israel like uh, you guys have in America and perhaps other places of the world. And I was given these two envelopes and I had to pick the color of the of the paper that I wanted, obviously the candidate and put it in the envelope, seal it and then obviously put it in the ballot. And uh, as I stood there doing that, I was just thinking, you know, I am here in the promised land, a land that has so much history. A land that has seen so much going on with it, where so many people have wanted it, and yet it has been a land that God has delivered as promised to uh, to the Jews. It is uh, it is a place where, of course, as we know, in many things, is the epicenter of the world, certainly for spiritual matters, uh, if not also, of course, for other matters. Uh, and so, and I here I am a foreigner in the foreign land, but I get to vote and, of course, elect officials uh, to obviously hopefully lead us in the ways in which God has planned for the country to go. So it was a bit of a transcendent moment uh, there for me yesterday, and I thought I would share that with you. Now, today um, I'm going to be speaking about a, a topic which it is something that as uh, God begins to heal our hearts, uh, we come into this new reality. Uh, and this new reality, uh, we begin to see it uh, a little bit by, by default uh, from the healing that takes place in our hearts. And that is, of course, um, that instead of going outside of us uh, to have our needs met, we begin to have our deepest needs met from within. Which means that um, we begin to realize, uh, as I did in my own life, how much I needed other people, their opinions, how much I needed their approval, how much I needed those around me um, to love me, and how much I needed uh, things outside of me to give me um, things that, of course, I need as a human being and we all need as, as obviously underlying premises. But the, the thing was that as I, as, as I saw the need for them to come up and step up and provide for me, my then ability to love them and it and those things became very much conditional upon the need being met. 
And so what I basically I'm trying to say here is that what I have discovered, and of course I not only have discovered it, but today I am convinced of it, is that in life we cannot genuinely love something we need. Now allow me to just uh, expand on that a little bit. And I will do that with uh, a short personal story. As you all know, and if you don't know, you will, um, I am in my second marriage. Um, my first marriage took place when I was a, a very young man. Uh, I was just starting out in my 20s. And I was, uh, uh, as I look back now, and of course, when all this happened, I honestly didn't see or understand what I'm about to share with you. But of course, now, today, as I look back, and isn't it hindsight such a beautiful thing? Um, I am able to see that this very thing that I've just said taking place in my life. Um, of course, when we are wounded, deeply, deeply wounded, we are people that have a lot of needs. Um, and what happens is um, one of the things that transpires is we attract onto our lives people with a similar condition to ours. So they too come into this space, which is called our lives, with very much uh, wounded hearts and, and lives that are just as much in need as ours are. And uh, what is amazing about this is sometimes even the wounding itself is similar. And with my, my first wife, I, um, I realize now as I look back, we both had a very similar upbringing. Both of us were taken away from home very early on. Uh, both of us didn't have our mom and dad every day there to say hello to us in the morning. Didn't really have our mom and dad, in my case, a little bit more extreme than hers, to call back and ask for help. But if something immediately happened, we had to sort it out. And if we couldn't, we didn't particularly call our mom and dad. But we obviously, certainly in my case, I found someone else there around me if I couldn't take care of it. This, of course, led us uh, to a place where we did not have a domestic environment that uh, every one of us is meant to have, where there is a mother, a father, where there is a healthy environment, where there is even more than just a mother and a father. There is a healthy environment where one can go and one can, of course, find refuge. One can be loved and being given attention unconditionally. And one really can have things happen to them that are meant to happen at certain stages of their lives to activate certain things within them. Uh, I mean, some of the basic ones are, you know, your masculinity, your femininity, things like that. Uh, also self-respect, also activating things like, um, you know, understanding that you don't have to do something in order to be loved or wanted or given attention, but that these things are given unconditionally by those that truly love you. Now, when we met, of course, we were in deep need um, in our hearts, in our lives. And so when we got together and we would say to each other, I love you, I love you back. The reality as I look back now is that we never really had a chance to love each other genuinely uh, and get married because of love, because Ahead of those things or ahead of love was these deep gaping wounds full of need within our hearts. And what we were most desperately for was, amongst other things, was recreating through our marriage 
that domestic environment that we never ever had as children. So when we went into the relationship, we went in to fulfill a need for each other. And when we said, I love you to each other, what we were basically saying is, I love the way that you help me to meet my need. And so, of course, there was never, ever any genuine love between us. And that love, of course, or that illusional love remained, and we thought it was there, as long as the need was met. Now, I believe most marriages today, including within the church, they fail. And they fail because people get married more out of need than out of love for one another. And I so often wish that these marriage counseling preparation uh, programs that so many of us attend before we get married would focus more on our wounding and our hearts, you know, the, the hearts individual than the dynamics of what su is supposed to happen in a marriage or not supposed to happen in a marriage. What is supposedly able to make a marriage successful, even though, you know, most of them are failing, so they can be very very wise keys there that we are given but you know it would focus more on the on the on the healing of the individuals as opposed to um, preparing people for a transactional change of status in their lives where they're going to have to learn to behave differently act differently and be aware of things that they were not aware of whilst all those things are good and and true and healthy the reality is if a person approaches marriage with an unhealthy heart, a wounded heart, a broken heart, a person approaches a marriage full of need, that person is going there for one reason and one reason only, to try and get their needs met consistently over and over by somebody else. So instead of, if you like, the Bible speaks about love, an original form, love is in the Hebrew is meant, is meant one gives to another. Uh, in a marriage, when people approach the marriage like that, and in love genuinely does mean one gives to the other, these two people are coming to take for one another. And the reality is that this taking at the beginning can spur people on through the first year, the second year, but eventually you have two individuals there that are completely and utterly overdrawn in their emotional tank. So in other words, are, they are not only empty, but they have no way of actually refilling it because all they are wanting is to take and eventually you know things inevitably break down and that's why I believe <clears throat> two out of three marriages even within the church these days are of course failing so I, I think if we could take the the journey of you know healing people and not ourselves but leading them to a place where they understood that they needed this healing and guiding them, of course, uh, to a place where God would have the opportunity to do that with them. Yes, these periods of engagement, these periods of courting, these periods of preparation would take longer. But I also think the marriages would therefore last a lot longer than they're doing. So something to think about, and I hope that this obviously gives you the, the, the sort of the gist of what I'm trying to share with you here today. Now, interesting enough, um, whenever people hear me say this, this statement, make me this statement that you cannot gen genuinely love something you need. The first things that, that come to their mind is God and, of course, their marriage, if they're married or their partner, if they have a partner and anything else uh, as a distant third that they may perhaps 
look to like their church or their friends or their you know their weekly meeting in uh, somewhere um, you know to be able to, to that they need this in order to be able to make it and live their lives and, and be healthy and, and have a, a good experience now um, I kind of covered the, the second one in the brief story I just gave you but let me just touch a little bit on the first one um, and that is of course the God one now uh, for years I too believed I needed God and, and that is because now as I look back I didn't realize that God had put the whole of himself within me and what do I mean by that well we are told that we are given uh, his nature his likeness or the capacity to be like him and of course his image that though you know that's our spiritual if you like DNA that we are given uh, and so for years um, I never really understood what that meant practically in my life in my heart uh, and that is why I kept believing I need God I need God I need God and I kept like pining for God I kept going after him there was no real rest in my walk with him because I believed always there was something more for me to get from him. Now, as I have obviously begun to be healed and I've come to the reality of my oneness with God, um, I have come to understand, and there's a, a sort of a, a great little uh, picture that I use to explain this, that uh, of course the whole of himself is within me. Now, let me just explain that for you uh, with this picture. Say, for example, I'm walking by the beach and I have a cup, uh, an empty cup in my hand. And what I do is I dip the cup into the ocean. Now, do I have the whole of the ocean within the cup? No, I don't. But do I have within the cup every single thing that helps to make up what we know as the ocean? You know, the soul, the, all the properties that help to make up what we know as the ocean within the cup? Yes, I do. And that is a very good picture to if you like, um, you know, reflect the reality of what God put, has put of himself within each and every one of us. So in other words, you and I, we are not a drop in the ocean, but we are the whole ocean within the drop. And so um, it is a, it's a fantastic space that we come into because when we realize that God has not held back from us, but he has truly freely given us all of himself to us, um, then we are set free where we no longer walk around saying, you know, I need you, God. But instead, we are now free to say to him, I want you, God, because people that are not in need, they are free to want. And people that are free to want, they are free to love and love genuinely and unconditionally. And God loves us freely because he wants to, not because he needs to. And not only does he love us freely because he wants to, because, but he also loves us unconditionally. Now, we struggle with that. And, you know, if you say, no, I don't, well, then just look at your life and how hard you try and how much you do in order to somehow make this journey called Christianity work for you so that you can not only hopefully feel uh, at peace that you've done enough and that you've covered all your bases, but that, of course, you can somehow experience what you hear others say that they're experiencing, but the reality is very few of us actually ever do. And so when you come into this space of wanting God and loving him unconditionally, what is basically happening is you are experiencing the way that he wants you and loves you. And I don't know about you, but I love to be wanted. I love 
to be loved unconditionally. And therefore, not only have I been receiving that from God, and I receive that from God every day, but then therefore I am then able to freely give to others love that is unconditionally, and I am with them, and I want to be their friends because I want to, and not because I need something from them. Now, as I explained earlier, in a marriage, of course, it's the same thing. I, I have uh, two experiences in this department. And, uh, you know, my, my second marriage is a marriage that has been consummated out of love. And so I, from my perspective, I want my wife. I want to love her and I love her unconditionally. Every day I, I, I pray and ask God to help me love her more genuinely than before. And that I will not go to her to meet my emotional deepest needs, but that I will allow God to do that, which he is doing. And as he does that, and I realize how much he wants me and how much he loves me, and my relationship is then back reflected the same way to him, that then spills over to my marriage. And so when you are approaching a human relationship from this dimension of want and unconditional love, you know, it releases a lot of this unnecessary stress um, and, and all of the baggage that comes with relating with other people. It actually allows the flow of love and life to come into your household naturally and effortlessly. And so you then end up fulfilling what I believe the Bible says love means, which is one gives to another. And that begins to happen in your marriage where you now find ways in which you can give to your partner because, of course, you are being given by God in such an overflowing way. Uh, and I think that's what, you know, David said, my cup overflows. Because he was so overwhelmed with this experience and this oneness, this love affair uh, that was going on within his heart that had nothing to do or was in no way attached to performance or need, but it was all out of want. And there was no, no conditions attached. There was no small print, you know, like we have to sign forms these days. We have three pages. Of, there was nothing. It was just freely given, freely received, and then freely overflowed to others. And so there is a lot of a, a space is created in your marriage where, of course, um, you know, people are encouraged to grow up as healthy, happy and peaceful individuals that have a happiness and a peace that stems from within them and not because of what they have in their bank account. This obviously then spills over to your children. And your children begin to realize, and that's something that I've realized that I started doing with my kids here, which I didn't do as much with my kids before, and I wish I had. But of course, I was not the same man then that I am today. And that is that I find myself saying to my girls, I love you. And I do it, and there really isn't any reason. I just do it out of the blue. And I remember when I first started doing that, my older daughter, Gisela, said to me, why, Pablo, why do you love me? And I realized that at that stage, she had understood that she had to do something or that I perhaps was saying, I love you at the end of explaining to her how proud I was of her because she had done something that obviously, you know, was good and whatever and that looked good. And so therefore I would say, you know, I love you, Gisela, you're great. And so I become aware of how unconditional, even the way that I say I love you to my children is these days where I just say, I love you to them. And to my wife, I will say, darling, I love you. And there is nothing has happened. Nobody's done anything. No need has been fulfilled or met. But simply out of the overflowing relationship of my deepest needs being met by God and my relationship with him not being out of need, but out of want, 
then means that this has been spilling over to them. And not only, of course, to my children and, uh, and my wife, but of course to uh, you, my listeners, and anyone that I'm able to come across, whether it's through the retreats, whether it's the people that I coach one-on-one, uh, on, uh, on, on, you know, on, on Skype or FaceTime, that love is always present and I don't have to work to make it be there or to actually be real, but it is the very essence of the energy that energizes my life moment by moment, day by day. Now, there is a story in the Bible which um, I believe, uh, you know, really brings out this uh, concept that I have shared with you that, of course, we can't genuinely love uh, what we need. Um, and that is, of course, the, the story of the, the Samaritan woman. But before I, I, I go on to sort of open up the story, uh, it's important to see that God is, um, we will see through the story, how aware God is of what we need in our lives, our deepest needs that we have within us, not only those premises that we all need met and that only he can meet, no one and no, nothing else outside of us can, uh, but also um, the needs that our wounds produce. Uh, I love it when he teaches his disciples in Capernaum uh, to pray, that he says to him, you know, God knows what you need before you even ask him. Uh, and so, you know, often when we pray for certain things to happen outside of us, it's a reflection of something that we are trying to use those things um, to try and meet something that we desperately need within us. But often we are not aware uh, which obviously is not only something that, you know, God can only and wants to meet, but it's also what perhaps is driving our lives to be lived in a certain way and approach our lives and our relationship in the way that we do. Now, with this Samaritan woman, um, uh, Jesus uh, shows this to us, um, but he also shows a few other things which have a real relation to what I have been sharing here. So what I want to do is I want to read the story from George, John chapter 4. Uh, and then, of course, I will cover that and then I will uh, end up with a short story about my own life to try and obviously also, once again, as I did with the brief one at the beginning, resemble what I'm trying to share with you. So we'll go from chapter 4 um, and verse 4 and it says, But Yeshua had to pass through Samaria and he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Shekar, on the side of the field that Yaakov had given to Yosef, his son. And there was a spring of water that had belonged to Yaakov and Yeshua was tired from the effort of the road. And he sat on the well, and it was the sixth hour. And then a woman came to Shamrin to draw water, and Yeshua said to her, Give to me water to drink. For his disciples had entered into the city to buy food for themselves. And that Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, uh, you are a Jew, and you ask for me to drink? For I am a woman, and I am a Samaritan. And you Jewish do not have social dealings with the Samaritans. And Yeshua answered and said to her, If only you had known the gift of Elohim, and who is who said to you, give to me to drink? You would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. That woman said to him, my master, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where are your living waters? Why are you greater than our father, Yaakov, who gave us this well and from it drank his sons and his sheep? And Yeshua answered and said to her, all who drink from these waters will thirst again. But everyone who drinks of the waters that I give him will be forever without any thirst at all. But those waters that I give to him will become in him a spring of water that will spring into life that is eternal. That woman said to him, my master, give to me from these waters that I will not thirst again, nor have to come and draw from here. 
And Yeshua said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And she said to him, I have no husband. And Yeshua said to her, You have said well that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. This you have spoken is true. And that woman said to him, My master, I see that you are a prophet. Our forefathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place that is necessary to worship. And Yeshua said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming that not in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will they worship the Father. You worship something that you do not know, but we worship what we know, for life is from the Jewish. But the hour is coming, and now is when true worshippers will follow the Father in spirit and in truth indeed. For the Father, he seeks worshippers as these. For Elohim is spirit, and those whose spirit, they must worship him in spirit and truth. That woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will teach us everything. And Yeshua said to her, I am the one speaking with you. Now, here's a woman um, that clearly has a, a, a very deep emotional need. Um, and that has led her into situations where, of course, she has attempted to meet it through the relationships that she's had. Clearly, this is a lady, uh, as we can see, that has not found what she was looking for, uh, to use the U2 phrase or, or, or the name of the song, because, of course, she not only had one husband, but she had had five, and not only had five but been enough, but she had then now moved on to a six, which, of course, as Yeshua says to, to her, you have said the, the truth, this is not even your husband. So clearly, by now, you would see that this woman doesn't really understand what love is, but that in fact, she is looking for something deeper than a relationship uh, to be met. And she is looking to those relationships to meet that. And of course, they're not doing that because of course, she has tried it five times and she is now even given up on the idea of marriage and she's just hooked up with a man uh, without the compromise because she probably by that time realizes I'm going get, to be getting rid of you anyways so therefore what's the point of even getting married now as we look at this woman uh, and the deep need that she has I wonder what is it that you in your life have been looking uh, to uh, for the past year or years in order to somehow bring you what only God can bring you and only meet what only God can meet within you. I wonder how many relationships you have gone through. I wonder how many jobs you have gone through. I wonder how many careers. I wonder, I wonder what you look to today in order that to give you the things that you deeply need, but will never, of course, be able to give you. I'm thinking of careers. I'm thinking of jobs. I'm thinking for some of you uh, out there, uh, the ministries that you are running and the things that you're doing that occupy your life and that you desperately uh, try and uh, obviously justify that you do it because this is what God has called you to do. This is what God has given you to do. But the reality is, if you're honest, the main reason why you're doing all these things, why you have all these relationships why you've had relationships and why things in your life don't seem to work is because you go there to have a need met as opposed to going there because you want to and because you are being energized and empowered by love in order to do it. So in other words, when we are uh, people that relate with others out of need, 
when we do things out of need, we are always looking for a specific result. As long as that result keeps showing up, then everything is well in suburbia. But as, long, as soon as those results begin to err, and as soon as those results, which they will, begin to disappear, then the whole uh, scenario that we thought we had going of love, of, you know, this is God calling me to do this, this is great, begins to crumble and crumble very quickly, as it obviously did in this woman's life. Now, I love how, how Jesus uh, addresses our needs and, and really meets us in places that no one else can. You know, this is a woman that we know from biblical times was an outcast. It was somebody that was obviously carried a lot of shame. Um, and we know this because the Bible tells us at the time of the day that she's going to the well. And that is relevant because at that time, obviously, there would have been no one else. Uh, and back in biblical times, women tended to go uh, to the well at a time when there was other women, because it was there, uh, which was one of the main places where women socialized with one another, uh, where women, you know, talked and caught up with their, you know, events of the day and just obviously spend time with each other. This woman clearly is avoiding that and she doesn't want to really be seen by any other woman. Um, clearly a reflection of the shame that she carries, you know, um, from the lifestyle that she's had. Uh, and so I, I love the way that Jesus meets her um, and, and meets her really in a place where she's expecting to meet nobody. Um, where she's going to hide, where she's going to just do what she needs to do and then go back home and hopefully not be noticed. But yet, I love how God notices us um, and meets our needs in places where, you know, we go um, and no one else and nothing else is not only present there, but nothing or no one else can actually meet that need. And here he is meeting her in this very space. And I love the way that um, he finds a common ground with her, you know, uh, because Jesus is fully aware that what this woman is doing on the outside reflects very much what is going on within her. And that this journey to the well backwards and forwards every day reflects the journey that she's had backwards and forwards with the man that she's been with, including the man she's with now. And so he begins to ask her to give him a drink. Now, a drink, as you and I both know, is something that we all need to live. Okay, if we don't drink water, we die. Uh, it's as simple as that. And so he, he begins to meet her at a basic human need and says to her, woman, give me a drink. Now, the woman uh, begins to obviously uh, tell him why she cannot give him a drink. She goes on and on and begins to obviously put all the reasons, you know, how can you possibly be here? How can you possibly meet me here? How could you possibly be talking to me? You know, I am, the, can you not see who I am? I am a Samaritan, you're a Jew. You know, God, how can you possibly meet me here? Can't you see that I am a sinner like Peter said? Can you not see that I'm dirty? Can you not see that I am, I am bankrupt in this area of my life? Can't you see that I'm broken? Can't you see that I'm wounded? How could you possibly meet me here? in the darkest, dirtiest, most needy place in my life? How could you plausibly show up here, the very place I come to hide from everybody else, where I come to get what I need and I go away? How could you possibly show up in this space? 
And that is essentially what is happening there. And that is essentially the response that she's given him on the natural. But if we look at the third way, which I've said to you is always present, then we know that the kingdom way, the spiritual situation that is taking place in the background here, this is exactly what is going on. And, you know, Jesus says to her, if only you know the gift of Elohim and who this is who said to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. Now, again, he, Jesus here is now bringing her to a different understanding uh, of what he is trying to do in her life, the need that he is trying to meet in her life. So he's saying, woman, while on the outside you're looking for a particular type of water, I am able to meet that need that you have outside by meeting a deeper need that is within you, and that is giving you living waters. Not waters that satisfy you temporarily, but living waters that not only heal you, but keep you satisfied and meet your needs so that then you are free to want and you are free to love and you are free to relate in a healthy way. Now, you know, straight away, she goes again for the outside and she says, my master, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where are your living waters? And then she goes on to tell him, are you like, who are you? Are you like greater than ya Yaakov, Jacob, who gave us this well and his sheep and sons drank from it? Uh, and, you know, and Yeshua answers, all who drink from these waters will thirst again. So again, you know, God, even though a lot of us struggle to believe that God is all capable and can meet these deepest needs. And this happens when we pray. We often pray and ask for something that we believe is the answer to a need that we have. And often the prayer is answered in a completely different way. I don't know if this has happened to you, but I have often prayed. And suddenly, instead of an answer to prayer, I have a problem. And this problem within it, and like every problem uh, brings, uh, you know, the solution hidden within it. This problem carries within the answer to the prayer that will give me the revelation, the ability to see that what I am trying to get through what I'm asking for is not really what I need to be given in order to satisfy and meet the deeper need within me that is leading me to pray this prayer. And so here the woman again, you know, is saying to him, and, and often when we pray, we feel like, you know, how is God going to do that? How, how can God possibly, uh, you know, help this marriage of mine? How can he possibly, uh, you know, change this, this situation that has just gone beyond hope in your estimation? How could God get me from here to there as far as my life and what I want to do and my career and my job. How could God possibly do that? I mean, how is God going to provide these things to fall in place? And so we do this because we do not understand who God is. And we are also working primarily from a place of I need God. So that very need senses that God cannot provide himself of himself all at once and that we are left wanting. So we, in our estimation figure, if I have to keep looking for you, if I have to keep you know, giving, you know, trying to get you to give me more. And that is the personal side of us, you know, me and you in an intimate relationship. Then obviously, you, you know, with these other things, well, it's going to be the same. Whereas if we are in a relationship with God where we want him and we love him unconditionally like he loves us and we know it and we experience that, 
then it's easy to also know, as I said in a few podcasts ago, to believe that God wants what we want. And not only that he wants it, but he's more than able to actually do it and get it together because he has met our deepest needs that nothing else out there has ever been able to meet, you see? And so this releases faith and it releases belief that, you know, it doesn't just happen to others, but it can happen to you because you see it happening on an ongoing basis. Now, all who drink from this water, in other words, all who continue to go to the things that you and I go to in order to try and satisfy this deep quenching need to try and numb the pain and the suffering, to try and, you know, the things that we go to to try and have our basic needs met, to be loved, to be given attention, to be, uh, you know, security, all those things that we need. You will have to go back over and over again. But then he says, but everyone who drinks of the waters that I will give him will forever without any thirst at all. So you see, there you go. Once we come into the full reality of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us, we no longer live out of need. We then are set free to want because our needs are met by God in a way. And it says here, forever without any thirst at all, in a way that nothing else, no relationship, nothing else can actually meet for us. And he says, but those waters that I give to him will become in him. Remember I said to you about the overflowing of the cup? like a spring of water that will spring up into life that is eternal. In other words, you will begin to start giving out life and life that is real, life that is unconditional, life that leads to life and a life that it isn't needy and codependent that needs to keep attending certain things and needs to keep going to certain places and needs to keep working hard in order to, to, to keep the other person happy so they keep meeting your needs even though they're not doing that. That right there is giving us the answer. This is going to reproduce in you life, but it's also going to reproduce life that is going to overflow onto others. And that is going to overflow into your marriage, into your relationships with your children, with your friends, your work colleagues. It's going to overflow into your work. It's going to overflow into your socializing. It's going to overflow wherever you go. You are going to be a spring of eternal life. Now, clearly, who doesn't want that? And therefore, the woman says to him, my master, give to me from these waters that I will not thirst again, nor have to come and draw from here. Now, you see, again, she shows there that her love and her, her, her life is conditional. Because what she's basically saying to him is, listen, can you just give me that? Because that's exactly what I'm looking for. And it sounds like it. So just give it to me. Give it to me because that's what I've been looking for. And no one can give it to me. All these all these silly men that I, I am with, they just can't seem to give it to me. And look what Jesus says to her. I love the way that Jesus answered. And, you know, he goes for the juggler. And he goes for the juggler by saying to her, go get your husband and come back. In other words, go back to the very thing that you are looking to, to try and find this living water and come back and meet me here by the well. Now we know what she says to him. You know, and says to her, you know, well, obviously, you know, I don't have a husband, blah, blah. And then again, you know, she kind of begins to excuse herself why she's not able to receive this, you know. And I don't know about you, but for years I excused myself in so many ways why I was not worthy of receiving this, why I was not able to, to experience God in spirit and truth. And look at what Jesus says to him. 
But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth indeed. For the Father, he seeks worshipers as these. For Elohim is spirit, and those who worship, they must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, Now, you see again there, God and the journey that we have with God is not, or it has anything to do with the outside of our lives. Our journey with him is an internal journey that begins within our hearts, where we find our true identity in him. We find our spiritual DNA, and we also find the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus said was within us. From that space, and the Bible says in Proverbs 4, life is meant to begin. And when it begins from there, we worship God. We relate with him in, in, a, in a spiritual way, which is based and it is powered and it, is, it takes place in real time within the realms of the truth. And we know that the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from looking for your needs to be met outside of you. Free from these relationships that are codependent and all they do is they destroy your heart and make the wounds in your heart wider and deeper with every passing moment. You and I need to understand that we are never going to have our deepest needs met outside of us. And therefore, we are never going to be able to also meet anyone's deepest needs outside of us. The only one that has that privilege and that is capable of doing that, it's God. And therefore, we need to understand that therefore it is impossible when we live out of need to genuinely not only love someone or something, but it's impossible to genuinely love God and ourselves, which is is something that is basic if we're going to be healthy, happy and at peace within ourselves. So I hope through this story I've been able to share with you and show you that, you know, the woman, she was obviously didn't really know how to love others. And what she was looking in others, she was actually looking for them to meet their needs. I'm sure that she believed she was marrying these men out of love. But the reality is she was marrying them out of need. And therefore, that's why each one of those relationships failed. And that's why so many of our relationships today fail. And that's why so many of us fail in a lot of the things that we do, because we do them out of need, not out of want and out of uh, love, unconditional love for others, to bless others, to, to enrich others, as well as, of course, enriching our own lives and the, and the lives of our families. So it's a, it, it's a, it's a phenomenal shift in perspective. Uh, when we begin to approach our lives no longer from a place of need, but of course, a place of want and of love. And as we see with this woman, this woman was not only healed and delivered and set free, but she then, if the story, you read the story, she goes back and she brings her whole city out. The shame has disappeared. (laughs) She now is going to the city, to the square. So she's not even, you know, hiding in the middle of the dark hour in the morning you know, try or at night trying to make sure nobody sees her. Now she's gone back to the square. She's gone back and she's like, guys, you come out here. Come out here because I'm going to introduce you to a man that is doesn't not, not only know everything about you, but he is going to meet every single need that you have and he's going to set you free. 
so that you are now going to be like me, that I'm coming here because I want to share with you what I have discovered. I have discovered something that is leading me to want and to love others unconditionally. And that's why I'm here in the square. Come out, come and have a look at this guy. Now, we know Jesus stays there two or three days after the woman brings the people because, of course, the people beg him to stay. And that's the whole thing about this. Ultimately, you and I, we want to be unconditionally loved. And we want to not only be unconditionally loved, but we want to know that we have to do nothing to earn that or the attention of the person that is doing the loving. And that is exactly what Jesus shows her in this, in this parable, this, this passage of the Bible. And that's, I believe, what ultimately God wants to show us. So we no longer need anything from anyone, but that we are free to love and to want others because our needs the most important needs, not the needs of our greed, but the most important needs of our emotions, our sentiments, our met, and spiritual needs are met by the only one that can, moment by moment, on an ongoing basis, like a spring of water, which is not dependent on what we do, but is dependent on Him, because He is the spring of water, He is the spring of life, that is just going and going and going in an effortless way, irrelevant of what we may or may not do. Now, I've really uh, I've gone on a bit longer than uh, I normally do. Um, and so I apologize for that. So I'm going to try and tell you this story as briefly as I can, even though many of you have said that uh, often this is your favorite part of the of the podcast when I get to share something personal from my life, which, uh, by the way, everything I share is personal. Uh, even if it's a scripture I have lifted, I am living it and I am discovering it as I go along with you as well. Uh, and so just to add to the brief story that I told you about my first marriage at the beginning of the podcast, um, this is a story um, from my childhood that began in my childhood. As you all know, I, you know, I was very early on exposed to what I believed was uh, an agreement that I made to life where, you know, if you were going to be loved and if you were going to be embraced and accepted, you had to win and you had to get it right. Now, I left home, as again, many of you know, and if you don't, you, you will do now, um, at a very early age. And so I grew up without my mom and dad. And I, of course, never received the unconditional love and attention and embrace and the security that a parent is meant to give to a child. So um, if you couple those two together, my wounds of abandonment and rejection and, and the, you know, the, the inability to receive the love and the, and, and the affection that a parent is meant to give you on an ongoing basis, um, I developed a deep yearning for intimacy, fulfilling intimacy. And so at a very early age, I began to obviously look to girls because I saw them as the opposite sex. I saw that they could give me something that guys couldn't give me, right? And so, um, and by that, I'm not making any statements of my beliefs or stands on anything uh, to do with uh, our sexuality, okay? I'm just telling you my story here. So please don't go and make any assumptions about what my beliefs are. Uh, if you want to really know those, make sure you write me an email and you ask me. Now, I began to obviously um, became act sexually active very early on in my life. I believe I had my first sexual experience when I was 13 years old. And so... That then led on to a life of multiple, multiple relationships, uh, sexual relationships throughout my teen years. And then, of course, into my, uh, my the beginning of my 20s before I got married. Now, when I got married, uh, of course, um, I realized 
that that what I thought marriage would fulfill wasn't fulfilling it either. And so after trying to make it work for several years, I began to realize that my need and the reason, one of the biggest reasons why I had married, apart from wanting to recreate the environment, the domestic environment that I didn't have as a child was not being met. So I began to turn uh, to what I heard other guys doing, which was, of course, pornography. And then pornography became something that I socially did from time to time. And as time went by, of course, it became more of a habit. And that habit then became a bit of a lifestyle. And before I knew it, it had become, and I don't know if this makes any sense, a non-addictive addiction. And what I mean by that is um, I didn't have to do it every day, even though if I had the chance, I did. But if I didn't have the chance because I happened to be in a country where the Internet was so bad so that the videos jammed, of course, I couldn't do it. And so I found other ways. Yeah, but the, the, the reality was I began to look for my answers to the fulfilling of this uh, intimacy that was not present in my life in pornography. Then, of course, I got divorced and I was uh, I was single for uh, a little while, you know, a few years where again, I engaged in multiple relationships. I continued to dabble into pornography. And I obviously uh, came to a space eventually where I realized that they, you know, as God began to heal my heart, I began to realize that within my heart, within my life, there was a deeper need for something that I was trying to look for it in my relationships and my encounters in my uh, porno, you know, porn addiction uh, and sessions. I was trying to find the answer to this in those things. Yet the more I went there to find the answer, the thirstier I came away. And that's why I needed to keep going back and often in a greater frequency. As God began to heal my heart, I will never forget. And I share this in my second book, The Modern Fig Leaf. How I was during one of those, you know, porn sessions that I was having that uh, when I finished and I turned the lights off, as usual, I would say, you know, God, how could you possibly love and like someone like me? And I obviously felt God say to me, that is the problem, that you don't know how much I actually love you when you're in the middle of doing that. And so, you know, it, it was almost like I was invited, you know, back to go back to get my husband like the Samaritan woman, because I felt led by God to, to start to open the, the computer and start watching, you know, porn videos again, which I did. Uh, but this time I became aware of something that I've never had been aware to again uh, until that day in my life. And that was that Jesus was sitting there with me and he wasn't looking at the porn, but he was looking straight at me. And what that did for me was two things. First, it deactivated the, the shame that I carried secretly in my life because of this, you know, this, this dark part of my life that I had which originated all in a need, which I never created for myself. But nevertheless, I was the one that was obviously carrying it and I had to have it met. And it also gave me not only the ability for the shame to go, but I realized that God knew all about it and that he was not ashamed of me and that he was still 100% committed and 100% for me and that he loved me and wanted me as unconditionally as he did when I was putting my hands up and singing a worship song. In fact, even more so in that area. And so suddenly, as I began to feel this within me, I began to literally feel things break in my life uh, for, the, for a good way. Um, I began to cry. I began to sob. 
Um, and then before I knew it, I had shut down the computer and I had become captured by something else that this other stuff had never been able to give me. And that was the unconditional love of God. As, as I began to shift away, so you see what happens in life is our healing comes because we stop energizing something over ourselves. In my case, the pornography, the promiscuous relationships. And that is now being met by something else. And that, of course, was the love and the unconditional way that God wanted me, that I realized even in my worst state and in my worst day and in my worst situation, that is still real. So I shifted my perspective and I started to empower the love of God over me, which began to heal me and began to obviously not only heal me, but it began to give me intimacy, fulfilling intimacy, like no, those things, none of those things ever could, did, or even would in the future if I kept dabbling in them. So this, 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 this what happened to me was, it was God saying, Pablo, listen, there is a deep need within you and you're trying to find it in other things and in other people. I want to show you something first and foremost. Number one, I'm completely aware of where you're at. Like, God, like Jesus shows the Samaritan woman. Second, the water you're getting from here, as you probably noticed, you got to come back and keep getting it. In her case, many husbands. In my case, many relationships, many porn videos. Um, he's also, also saying, you know, you have a choice. You can keep drinking that water and keep coming back. But the reality is I got something better for you, that it isn't outside of you, but it's actually within you. It's within you. And I am the one that can meet that need and can heal you. But not only can I heal you, but I can actually supply an everlasting flow, whatever it is that you need. In my case, fulfilling intimacy that you will never be able to actually find out there. And not only will it actually be fulfilling to you, but it will overflow out of you. And if there's one thing that people say to me is, Pablo, you know, when we're around you uh, physically, personally, you might even feel this through the podcast. They say to me, Pablo, we feel that um, we feel a healing, like, you know, there's a desire to be healed. And we feel like God is healing us. He's touching us in places and healing us in areas that we've never opened up to him, but also we sense this intimacy that you have and we, and, and we sense the desire that God has for intimacy with us. And isn't that great? The very two areas <laughs> where, of course, I have much has been robbed and much suffering and pain has, has come in my life are the two areas where God is not only healed, but he's now blessing others from them. Just like the Samaritan, the very place where she had been wounded is the very place where she goes back and she blesses and brings people not only to healing, but to an understanding that there is something better, greater. There is something richer. There is a, a relationship to be had with the Messiah, which as she discovered, Jesus was, which of course brings into our lives this living water that nothing else outside of us can. I come to the end of our time together again. I hope that uh, I have encouraged you to uh, become curious, to look further and perhaps challenge some of the perceptions that you may have uh, had and been, have been subscribing in your life for perhaps years. If I've done that, then I've been successful. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to me again. 
And just remember, uh, you don't have to get divorced. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to do any of those uh, radical things in order to change your life. What you need is to understand that your needs are never going to be met through those relationships, through those jobs, through those things that you do. But the only place that they're going to be met is through Jesus and within your heart. The only place and by the only one that that can happen. And that does that happen, you are going to be set free by the truth. And then you're going to be living out of a place where you're going to desire, you're going to want to love, you're going to want to give, you're going to want to share. And you're going to do it out of unconditional love and not because you want them to meet your need. As you begin to do that, I promise you, you are not only going to see a healing in your own life and in your relationship with God, but I promise you that will take you on to see an amazing amount of healing in your marriage, in your relationships, whether it's with your partner, your kids, whoever and wherever you are, in your work, in your career, what you do for others. It will just bring a dimension of truth, of life, eternal life, uh, and, and, and healing and even power that nothing, can comp nothing you've done or anyone you've met or you've done it with will compare to what you will begin to experience. So until next time, stay present and may you continue in that present moment to experience and know that life transforming uh, inner embrace of the resurrected Christ. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. We have come to the end of another episode, and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable, a blessing, but above all else, it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before. For more information about the Zone Project, this podcast, and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis, please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links. As for me, I hope that you can join me again, so until next time, thank you and Shalom.